What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Good afternoon everyone. Welcome to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods and I'm your host today. Um, I think we have a a very interesting topic for us to discuss. Having just recently been to Portland, Oregon, I was introduced to um, some, I guess, the whole issue around gambling in the Asian community, which seems to be um, much more prevalent than it is in other communities. And doing some of the research for um, for this show, what I learned is that gambling has become America's uh, adult pastime. Uh, it's probably the number one adult pastime. With more money is spent in the nation's $75 billion industry than, than we spend on movies, concerts, sporting events, and amusement parks combined. Um, and in California alone, there are nearly 60 um, Native American casinos. There's scores of card rooms. And um, California also runs one of the nation's most lucrative state lotteries. And I know that in New Hampshire, where I live, the lottery is used to fund education. So not only is gambling um, a source of entertainment, but it's also how a lot of states balance their budget. So um, I was able to attend a workshop that our that our guest um, facilitated, and I was so interested in what she had to say that I just really thought it was important that she come on the show and talk with us. So let me introduce our guest. Um, her name is uh, Leo Hara, and she has a master's degree in higher education from China's Dalian University of Technology. She also has a master's degree from Oregon State University in counseling psychology, which she received in 2006. And she's been working in the field of gambling addiction for about six years. Um, she began working with the Asian population about three years ago. And um, in the course of her work, Lee conducts group and individual counseling. The majority of her um Clients are Caucasian, but she does also work with people who are Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Vietnamese, Croatian, and Thai. So welcome to our show, Lee. Hi. Hi, Mary. Um, Can you share with our listeners a little bit um, about your background and how you got interested in gambling? Okay. Um, After I graduated from, actually, towards the end of my study at the uh, Oregon State University, I got an internship uh, at um, Albany, which is drug alcohol treatment, and they are looking for gambling intern counselor. So I volunteered, so I joined joined them. And then in my head, I was thinking, uh, yeah, there are a lot of Asian gamblers out there, so maybe this will help me to help them. So that's my thoughts. That's why I joined, I become a gambling counselor. Well, one of the things that I learned um, at your workshop is um, the significance of gambling in the Asian community, which I really wasn't aware of. Could you share with our listeners what what that is for the Asian community, what gambling is all about for, for them? For the any, uh, Asian community? Yeah. Well, okay. Why? Why do Asian? Why do people in Asian community gamble so much? Okay. Uh, maybe we should start talking about the culture part. Okay. Sure. Okay. Um, so you probably know that Asia is is a big continent. It's very big area. So there are um, different countries, such as uh, Chinese, Japanese, Vietnamese, Korean, Thai, Laotians. Uh, even 
you know, southern, southern uh, Asia, including actually India, these areas, um, we have similar cultures, but also different. Um, in terms of gambling, um, I talk to so many different uh, people from each country. They all saying that gambling is one of the games for people entertain. It's very um, accepted in this uh, society. Um, so also, Asian people kind of believe uh, fate. Uh, they believe that uh, sometimes the fate will lead you for luck. Uh, gambling is one of them. Or you're building a house, the house facing south or north or east bring your certain luck. Uh, that's kind of a belief system. So in where I'm coming from, which is, which is in northern China, um, I didn't really grow up. I know we play cards, um, but not very much any other games. But when I left China, I went to Hong Kong. The first time I left the country, I went to Hong Kong, and I attended a wedding over there. It was a very big culture shock for me because it was a big, big uh, hall for people to celebrate somebody's wedding. And after the ceremony and the dinner, uh, the lunch or dinner start, and the same time they set up a mahjong for every table, so they gamble the whole time. So that's a, one of the things I learned that, oh, Southern Chinese, um, they love play mahjong and they play in, in the wedding. And then I talked to several other um, professionals from uh, Vietnam and uh, Korea. They also say that people do play in the holidays in the different games, uh, not just mahjong, but card games and also other minorities that they're their own games. And so, go ahead. Go ahead, Mary. Well, well, as you're talking, I'm wondering um, if gambling is is part of the social event at um, weddings. Um, what about with family parties or New Year's? Yes, uh, but now now these days, um, I, I I heard that in China. Um, big country, they all play with play mahjong during the holidays, uh, New Year celebration, which is seven days, um, seven days vacation. Uh, you, they're everything closed down except restaurants or shopping place. But all the factories, the um, official government buildings, everything shut down. So you, you do stay home. And you visit family, you play cards or play uh, mahjong. And not necessarily a play with the money, depending on, depending on each, um, each, each family or, or different um, uh, places you go. Um, yeah, it is a big, uh, big uh, uh, entertainment for, for people in Asia. You were talking about how much fate plays a role in the Asian community. So um, do people believe their fate's predestined? So if I'm doing well, at um, if I'm winning, then that means that the fates have smiled on me and I feel kind of like um, I'm going to keep winning, even if I lose for a little while? Or how does that work? <laughs> um, it's not... Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if everybody believes the same, but some people do say that in, in, in their language called renming, which is in Chinese, that means um, resign oneself to, the, to fate. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but which means yeah. you have to believe your own fate. You're born in certain family. That's that's who you are, and that's who you grew up going to be. Um, but some people like to break the fate by try their luck, try their 
break their um, lifestyle. For example, if a person who lives in the countryside, they don't have any resources for them to um, have a better education or better life, they might go into bigger city, try their luck, and some young kids going to, if they're, they think, they believe they're smart and they go into school, they will get a better education. Or some people think they're not smart, they will try um, others, other source. Um, gambling is one of them. People do believe that. Um, not just the gambling is one of them. Also, a different kind of form of try their fate, um, break their fate. So, uh, so the, I guess that's one of the uh, the belief system for people to um, to start gamble. And sometimes, so from people, a treatment perspective, what what kind of treatment interventions do we can we utilize if people have this belief about fate? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's very. Uh, Tough for 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 us to break their belief system. I just like in Christian, they believe a God. You can't just say tell them that break break their belief system. Uh, tell them not there's not not God not exist. So right. <laughs> so what happened is um, I don't know if other professionals how do they try to uh, to help their clients, but for me, I think definitely education uh, raised awareness, helping people to to see that the pattern of gambling pattern, if you believe you're lucky, what happened um, to your, they tried again and again and again, you're not really breaking your your fate. So basically, you just have to, for me, I will try, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, let them see that their their belief system, maybe there should a question for their belief system. Um, I'm not sure if we can break their belief system. <laughs> well, we can use education to try to raise their consciousness, and it's a foundation for a lot of counseling um, interventions. And we'll be right back to talk with Lee more about um, gambling in the Asian community after this commercial. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. In your family, what is most important to you? Is it health? Relationships? How about getting along better with your kids or your parents? Maybe it has to do with losing pounds or gaining financially. Whatever the problems you face in your family, you'll want to tune in to Family First with your host, author, and speaker, Randy Rolfe. Since 1985, Randy has become the foremost expert on matters concerning the family, and she can help you. Family First airs live every Friday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods. I'm your host today, and our guest is Leo Hara, who is a gambling uh, addiction counselor from um, Portland, Oregon, and she is sharing with us um, her experience with treating folks in the Asian community who have um, who have gambling abuse problems and pathological uh, gamblers, and and I guess. Um, as I'm saying that, Lee, um, what's the difference between pathological gambling and gambling abuse? Okay. I want to just mention a little bit more about the culture part. So, again, okay. accept, um, gambling is accepted in the general community, right? Everybody yeah. likes to gamble. But there's a very fine line when you pass that, become become a pathological. You think about gambling all the time. You're looking for people to gamble with you. If there's no casino, if there's no card um, uh, uh, place, you can go. You have to find the people to gamble with you, right? And when people become pathological, they're looking for people to gamble, and then people cannot tired of you to participate in your gambling activities then that person will be annoyed by people around the person. Does that make sense, Mary? Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. It does. Okay. Yep. So, and if the person not in the U.S., in Asia, that's become a problem. And if the society is not look, respect people have pathological gambling problems, they will become um, uh, feeling very down. And that same thing, when people, immigrants to the U.S., they carry that, the, the judgment, the belief system, the um, accept or not accept, when is the line, you cross the line. And also people do believe that one you pass that line, this disease, just like drug and alcohol. That's what they believe, okay? It's not necessarily true. Is that but they do believe that this kind of a disease is not a treatable. So no matter what you do, it's not going to work. Uh, so now we're going to talk about family members, how they suffer from the family members have a pathological gambling issues. In Asia countries, we are um, family-centered society, family as a unit, everything around family. If one person um, have a trouble, everybody helping out. They don't have a counseling system, but if a person have a difficulties, everybody trying to talk to him or her or helping out um, looking for girlfriend and boyfriends, looking for job, um, supporting anything they need. So if a person struggles with gambling, family members either bail out or pushing the family member away. It's kind of a, tough for them to, to be in the middle, which is to support but set up a clear boundaries. Um, so when you mean bailout, you mean like if um, pay their gambling debts or cover for them if they're not going to work or uh, bailout. By bailout means um, cover their gambling debt or not, and and not telling any other people outside of family members because it's a shame, a shame for the gamblers and a shame for the whole family. To what extent will the family go to bail someone out? 
Excuse me? To what degree or extent will, will the family go to bail someone out? Mm-hmm. And depends on the uh, who is the family member. For example, if um, if the gambler is children and the family parents have enough money to pay some debt, the parents definitely will do. There are no second questions. They will bail out, bail out until until they feel it burden. They feel yes, uh, my business. Uh, is suffering right now, or or all my savings are gone. Um, you know, I can't do this anymore. I can't bail you out anymore. At that point, they will helping the family member. If they're in U.S., they, they will they will helping their family members to to seeking for treatment. If if they want. Uh, if they want to, they, they're open-minded, they want people, they don't care about other people to think what, what happened to their son or daughters. And some, uh, sometimes they will secretly to seeking for help or they tell the, their kids to, uh, to call the treatment centers and let them to deal with this or push them away from the family. So um, I imagine that for um, for folks, is it different, like from first generation people who have um, who were born in in America versus people who um, they've just come to America that that they were born in Asia? Is there a difference in in how the family works, or is it the same? Um, do you have to do different things? Clinically, with with these families, uh, they are definitely different. Um, if they're first generation, if if the gambler is the first generation that you um, Asian American, um, he or she definitely facing the difficulties between the two two cultures. Um, <laughs> they have a saying that I I know a counselor actually is first generation of uh, Asian American. He said he's like a banana. Outside is yellow. You can peel it. Inside it is a white color. <laughs> so he feels that um, the, the the Asian Americans kind of a believe um, they understand the white coat, the Caucasian culture, the mainstream culture, and but their parents keeping using their traditional culture to force their children. Um, have their own belief system. So that's a very difficult for children. And if their par- the, the children have gambling issues, the parents might be just not, just, just not talking about it, not, not very supportive. But if the parents have a problem with gambling, the children will more open and, and seeking for help or may try to offer the parents uh, reach out. In all of the addiction uh, counseling in the in the Western world, for all the different addictions, mm-hmm. family treatment is like a cornerstone of what um, the Western treatment believes is essential. Is family treatment um, as commonplace in the Asian community? It is. It is. I think it's. it's a, I, I believe it's very important. If we can do some outreach in the community, schools, um, some churches, or any anywhere we can reach the family members to let them understand that um, this disease is treatable. Um, somehow we can change their mind to uh, invite them to come to the treatment, um, which is we talk about in my uh, conference that we can not calling treatment. Maybe we'll call uh, classes, uh, change the name, um, change the form of treatment to meet the, the family um, or the culture's needs. Um, so 
if family members can be involved, it definitely will helpful. I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> well, I, no, I just think, um, you know, it's all in the name, right? So um, when we're looking at, um, you know, people of different cultures or, or even people who are in different stages of change, how we name something is crucial to people's participation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that's, that's a, a tool that we often forget about, you know, because we're so... We're taught about therapy, 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 but if we call it something different, it makes it easier for people to um, to participate. Then, then who cares? You know what you call it, as long as you get people to come in and, and learn. Yes, yes, I think that's one of the critical part for minority people. I don't think it's just Asian people, including yeah. African American. You know, uh, different minorities in the U.S. Um, I think it's very, in the counseling society, I think we should look the the word we're using um, or the way if we diagnose this, we're treating people, um, if we can somehow um, change some, I think it will be way different than, than, than just treatment, diagnose people. They have a pathological gambling. That will adding on the shame, I believe, that. I agree with you. I think that these labels are very shame-based, and, um, and, and sometimes it prohibits people from coming forward because of the label. And we'll be right back after this commercial to talk with Lee more about uh, gambling in the Asian community and what works and what doesn't work. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. Today we're talking with Leo O'Hara about... Um, gambling in the Asian community, and in our last segment, we were talking about um, how gambling affects the family and typically what happens in an Asian family when um, someone is a gambler, and it's a little different whether it's first generation or second generation or if it's the children or the parents. Um, So those are some things that we need to take into consideration. Um, One of the things that's crucial, I think, um, with all minorities is language. And um, Lee, can you talk a little with us? Because I know one of the interesting things that you told me last week was that the number of Asian minorities in China that have different dialects. Yes, yes. It's very interesting. Just China, one country, we have uh, many different dialects. 
but writing is all the same. Okay, uh, I can read same same words as sh- people from Shanghai, and people from Shanghai read the same thing, but this when they talk completely sounds different than people from Canton and or, or people from Beijing, northern part of China. So that's why we have a different uh, language. But if you're an educated person, you can speak uh, the official language, which is Mandarin. Everybody speaks that if you went to school. But if people didn't go to school, doesn't have that education, then that will be a challenge. However, I just want to mention that um, when people come to the U.S., you think about if, if a, pers- a couple, husband and wife, come to the U.S., they speak their own language, and they're coming to school, study English as their lang- second language, but they have their kids grow up here, speak perfect English, right? And mm-hmm. parents say, say the parents have a um, gambling problem, and they're, they want us seeking for help. And who is the best uh, translator? Is their children. I mean, a, a interpreter is their children. And children sometimes will help a lot in terms of uh, negotiating with the community, uh, going, helping the parents to pay bills or talk to immigration officials, or whatever. But when come to the treatment, parents doesn't want to tell their children they have a shame problems, or they don't want to tell them that oh I gambled all my month's salary away. That's an extremely shame, uh, embarrassment for for parents. And children supposed to be respect parents. You're not to, you're not let your children know what's going on with with your life. So that's another barrier about. Um, family members, uh, first generation and second generation of immigrants, of language barriers. And um, being um, a person from China, Mm -hmm. do you find that um, other Asian people gravitate more to you than a Caucasian counselor? Is it, do, do they prefer to work with an Asian counselor? Um, or does it make a difference? Um, I, I don't know about... Um, I have a kind of a mixed feelings sometimes. I feel that um, sometimes I feel that it, I'm, I'm seeing um, Vietnamese clients, Korean clients, when they come in, they will say, oh, are you Asian? Uh, I say, yes. Um, if they're, they, some people do ask me if I'm a Korean or Vietnamese. I say, no, I'm not, and, and they really don't care. They just want to come see me. But sometimes they say something like, I don't really need to see uh, uh, Vietnamese, which is, you know, it's the same language with my clients. <laughs> they, they kind of are like avoiding their same community members. That's how I feel. Um, but when, as soon as they see you, I have this feeling that they do, I feel like they're close to me. It seems like just, just looking at each other have the same face and, and same belief system and un- similar culture. I think it's definitely helpful. Then, mm-hmm. then yeah, and then Asian person see another um, ethnicity counselor, for example, uh, maybe Caucasian counselor or African American counselor. I, I think that will make differences. Yeah, and I would think, especially, um, you know, with the shame. That, the, yeah. You know, and I, and I guess as you were kind of saying, that could work both ways because maybe they don't want people in their community to know they're getting treatment, so they may feel more intimidated going to an. Asian counselor than uh, another counselor. Mm-hmm. I guess also uh, in in psychologically or subconsciously uh, they thinking about okay, I don't want anybody to know in my community. But as soon as they see you, they they see you nice to them. You're not judgmental. You're not um, telling them, uh, making them embarrassed. 
then they will feel easier to close to you because mm-hmm. they can express it freely. Well, that's a nice segue into um, what works and what doesn't work in terms of um, counseling techniques and treatments for people um, that have gambling problems who are Asian. Okay. Um, I, we, we discussed this subject with uh, several uh, different Asian professionals. Uh, we all agree with that. Um, definitely solution-focused, client-centered, cognitive behavioral therapies, all combination. We use all of these type of uh, um, style of counseling to treat our clients. But um, there are a few things um, I think is very important that um, I'm looking for my notes right now. <laughs> Um, well, I know one of the things that you shared last week was that for the family, what you wouldn't tell them would, like, you, you might not send them to Al-Anon because the things they'd hear in Al-Anon would be things that just intuitively didn't feel right to them. Yeah, um, depends. Uh, Al-Anon, if a person are children helping their older parents, and you say you set up a clear boundary, then I don't think it's going to work because the Western um, culture, Western values of how to individuality, right, um, mm-hmm. is not going to match of uh, Asian culture. We think it's community-based. Uh, we think of it's, it's family whole family going up, a whole family going down. But in in the Asian culture, I mean, in, in the Western culture, we think about how do I set up a clear boundary? Uh, how do I stand up uh, for myself right. to deal with parents? So that's just not going to work. Um, for If they hear that one time something not matching their belief system, uh, even G, even GA or AA or uh, Alanon or uh, Gamanon, this is not going to help them. The second, um, second is I want to talk about uh, when when clients, for example, clients ask you, clients come in, they ask you some advice. So I have a so much debt. What do you think I should do? And they will ask you. And in Western counseling skills, we like to reflect, right, and, and also helping clients to see, um, find a, their own solutions. So that part also slightly different than 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 um, dealing with Asian people. When you not give them advice, when you're not giving them some help or some solution or some kind of a um, signals that. Maybe try this. Maybe if the, I am your, if I'm in your shoes, I will try this. That kind of a things. Maybe, maybe not very helpful. They like direct answer. So, so that's a. a excuse me. So what we're taught to do won't work. Being reflective, um, helping people sort things out. They really want that advice. They really want concrete solutions. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. And also, not work is uh, not going to work is when when you know the many agencies we do a, we always have a pressure to we'll do assessment right away right when clients come right. in you need to fill out the paperwork you need assessment you need to know is how you could you can diagnose this person it's, that's just not going to work well for agent community because you don't know the client doesn't know you. How can you? How can I just open up to tell you that yes, I've been gambling. My wife left me. Uh, I can't see my son. Um, I have a fifty thousand dollars in debt. I lost my job. It's how shameful is that? It's just not going to work. They will not tell you these things right away. 
And we'll be right back after this commercial to learn more about how we engage um, folks for the, when we aren't doing assessments, like right the minute they come through the door, right after this commercial. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Two views, different topics, questions, answers, news, and advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pastor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you ever stop and wonder if there's more to life than what you are experiencing? Do you feel like you deserve to live that life? Of course you should. Tune in to Shining Bright with your host, Regina Sisko. Through Regina's life experiences and her guest experts, you can put yourself on the path to holistic self-discovery and the life that you were born to lead. Shining Bright with Regina Sisko is broadcast live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, Let's get back to Mary and one hour at a time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods, your host today, and our guest is Leo Hara, and we're learning about um, gambling in the Asian community. And before we went to break, you were talking to us a little bit about what doesn't work in terms of when someone comes in for their first um, session. Mm-hmm. that jumping in doing assessments isn't going to work. So how do we engage someone in the first session? Yeah, and I would love to talk about what is work, um, which is there are a lot of uh, Western counseling skills will be very helpful, which is the client-centered. You listen, you pay attention, you have be nice, caring. Uh, you, the clients feel like you care about him or her. Um that will work very well. A lot of times when clients in that situation, they've been, because remember, people won't seeking for help until they hit the bottom. Um, so when they hit the bottom, they really feel there's nowhere to go. So that's why they're coming to see you. And so you... When you see that clients the first time, you want to build up a therapeutic relationship. And from there, they feel like you understand them, you are the professional, you have the skills to help them. And that works. The second is the patience. Patience, patience. We need a lot of patience dealing with aging uh, clients. Um, sometimes... People knocking their head doesn't mean yes or doesn't mean they understand you. Um, but be patient. Ask them so, um, you know, repeatedly. Things like you, you, you can say something repeatedly until they really do understand. Where maybe ask them, so what do you think about this? And they will tell you, um, 
they understand you or not understand you. And also work very well, speak the language, and um, understand their culture is big help. If clients giving you some signal that they feel uncomfortable, um, then you know what's going on. They might be thinking some something that will helpful. I just want to give you one little example that Asian clients, we Asian people sometimes they don't look your eyes to eyes, eyes contact. They don't have that. They comfortable to look down. It doesn't mean the person self esteem low. Um, it also depends on the individual, but most of the time, I don't think is self esteem low. It can be very high official person that when they talk to you, they're not looking at your eyes. They may be looking down, um, you know, on your shirt or on somewhere else. That means they're thinking or something. That's one of the, uh, you know, the the signals for 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 counselor to know. And counselors think, oh, why this person not looking at me? They don't want to listen or this person's self-esteem low, it's, it's not right. Um, so to understand the culture part is one big, um, big important um, area for counselors, professionals to know. Does group counseling work? Group counseling works. Um, I believe I, I'm, I'm really big <laughs> group counseling fun. I have a, my group counseling always very successful. Right now I have a two agent uh, clients in my group. Uh, one is man, one is woman. They're all in, the mid, like 30, in their 30s. Um, they're very open. They talk a lot in the group, even though English is their second language. They like to talk, and they people in the group is very patient. That's I was surprised. They're very patient to listen what they have to say, and afterwards they will tell me how much they learn from other people, from um, all the other group members, which are Caucasian. Um, they say, "Oh, I never thought about this." Oh, you know, they have a different idea. They have a different thought. So that influence also very good for agent clients, I think. Because they're, when, the, when the agent clients come in, they're really, really isolated themselves. They don't have any friends. They don't have any, um, they don't go any classes. They don't study anything. When they come here, I feel like they're 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 like spent. They're absorbing all the knowledge or ideas or how people think about a gambling addiction. And some people in the group can be uh, abstinent for six months or a year, and then they can see that oh, it works for them. I can try hard to be like them. I think it's really helpful group counseling. You know, in listening to everything you're teaching us this hour, it, it sounds in many respects how the, the effects of gambling and the, um, the consequences of gambling are very similar across all nationalities and across all cultures. There's the compulsion, there's the obsession, there's the devastation of the loss of money and self-respect and shame, mm-hmm. um, the lying and the hiding. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So um, it, it's just how we interpret it and then how we um, teach people is different. If there are, um, if there are folks out there listening um, who are Asian and they may have a problem or they may think they have a problem, what advice would you give them? Um, excuse me, can you repeat that question again? <clears throat> if, if we have listeners... Um, next week when we, or today when we broadcast the show, 
um, that are listening to us that are Asian and they think they may have a problem or someone that they're in their family has a problem, what advice would you give them? What would you tell them to do? I will tell them that um, try something new. Try something different. In in Chinese, we have a saying <laughs> that um, that means you pass this thing, the other part of a, a site is going to be flower, um, spring coming, flower blooming, and trees growing. So you're stuck in the med- right now in the in the area, you feel like you're, there's nowhere to turn, nowhere to go. But if you turn yourself around, try something new, reach out, pick up the phone, call the helpline, and you may find something different, something very helpful for you. Um, somebody understand you, somebody willing to listen to your stories, and somebody willing to help you out. I think that's my advice. And also, in each state, there are, I believe there's many, many states, there's a helpline or agency to treat the gambling, um, pathological gambling problems. And, for example, Oregon, we have this helpline. And when they call the helpline, if they sound you know, speak second language, or they tell them, tell the person who answered the phone that I would rather to speak Japanese or I speak Vietnamese, and the helpline will directly transfer that call to me. I have a cell phone. I can answer right away to contact with, talk to this, connected with this person right away. And I believe other states also have this service. I think that will be extremely helpful for somebody looking for help. Lee, this has been a very fast hour, and um, thank you so much for joining us and teaching us today about gambling in the Asian community and what works and what doesn't work. Thank you. You're welcome. you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.